Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Becky, and I want to welcome you to another podcast of Reconciling Grace. I'm joined today by Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, and by Josh Kugel. He's pastor in Mississippi, and Josh is going to be leading our discussion today on the topic, The Struggle with the Great Commission. Josh, what's this all about? Well, I'm glad you asked there, Pete. Now, um, I, I do want to, <laughs> I, I, I want to let you guys know that we talk about in our church, we talk about heroes a good deal. And where the world has set up heroes to be people like, you know, in music, people like LeBron James or, or people like Pink or, or, or somebody like that. In, in the church, I believe that I, it, it's all about Christ. It, it shouldn't be for us making a name for ourselves. But I think that we, we need to kind of make heroic the behavior that we want our young people to replicate. And, you know, we need to point out when somebody's doing the right thing and that kind of thing. And so one of the people I will talk about a lot in church and just often is a guy named Jim Elliott. I don't know if you guys saw, uh, was it end of the spear or edge of the spear? Um, Jim Elliott took his family, another guy named Nate Saint and his family and a bunch of them went down to South America to a previously unreached tribe. They flew in, they started talking with these people and it just happened that uh, one thing led to another, and Jim and, and Nate, uh, I think it may have been a couple other ones, but at least them ended up being killed by that tribe. The family leaves, the tribe gets in touch then, and this is a very short, cheap version of it. After they die, the family gets in touch with Jim's wife and says, hey, would you come and tell us about Jesus? And they come move back for, I think, two and a half years and end up leading tons of people there to Christ. And what a hard story, but could you imagine... First of all, giving your everything to take your family to go down to an unreached people group to tell them about Jesus, where it's really dangerous. And then your wife saying, you know what, you guys killed my husband, but I'm so in love with Jesus that I'm going to go back and share all about the good news of Jesus Christ and end up leading a whole bunch of people to Jesus. And I think that's heroic. I think we should talk about that so that our young people think, you know what, that's cool. God can do anything. Um, and all that, that's behavior I want to emulate. There's another story about a guy named Bruce Olson or Bruchko, and I'm going I'm to butcher this one a little bit, but I, I remember he went, saved some money, um, didn't get blessings from family and friends and all, but he went to an unreached people group, and I think the story goes that he was in the middle of the jungle, he had had some contact with him, and he was hit by an arrow in either his leg or an arm, and he looked down, and he kind of figured out, I'm in the right place. <laughs> I mean, to me, those are stories we should tell about people who are saying, you know what, Jesus says you must, you know, take up your own cross and follow me. And these are people that said, you know what, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not encouraging recklessness or anything like that. But, but man, these are people that said, you know what, uh, uh, whatever it takes, I'm going to give. And, and even um, Jim Elliott said, he is a fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, uh, we're, we're, we're clinging to the things of this world, clinging to the physical things and at risk of losing the things that are eternal. And wouldn't it be if we gave up the physical things to gain something that was worth so much more. So anyway, long version of getting to where I'm going. 
I wonder why we don't tell these heroic stories and make these people heroes. And then it kind of led me to thinking about why, and I don't know if it's this way in your churches or not, we don't champion missionaries like we used to. And I think as a result too, we don't share the gospel with people around us like we used to. And I wonder if it's because we stopped telling these stories. I wonder if it's because we stopped believing uh, that we can. And so I thought, let's look at that. And, and I want to look at things that prevent us from sharing our faith. We know the Great Commission, go into all the world or as you go into the world, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and we know kind of there's this why God would say, why would I light a lamp and then hide it under a bushel? Um, we know that we live for the glory of God. And, and, and God even tells it was Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the world. And mm -hmm. so we know that there's this mission that God has for us, this calling that God has for us where it's not for us. It's for spreading the glory of God. It's for bringing others into the family of God. But we don't really talk about it as much as we used to. And we don't really live it like we used to. And we don't take the big 30 and 40 people mission trips like we used to. And, and you know, we don't maybe even we kind of give to a budget that kind of roundabout goes to missions. But we don't connect as much as we used to with specific missionaries and, and hear their stories all the time. We don't have mission nights in church anymore like we used to at least. And I, I just thought. I think there are three reasons, and I think this plays into us sharing our faith with people in our community, people in our family, too. I think there are three things that keep us from sharing our faith. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to explain each one. I'm going to let you guys talk about them. And if you have something to say about it. the the first one is we're confused. And I think these are deceptions we buy into. These are confused things we're confused about. They lead us to being stressed out and all this kind of stuff. We have a, a bless me mentality rather than a bless them mentality. So I'll say it again, just to, to set it up for you guys. I think we have a bless me mentality rather than a bless them mentality, meaning that I'm saved so that I can be blessed, meaning that God's been good to me so that I can be happy, meaning that, um, you know, I have a house so that I can be safe and, and kept from danger around that I have a car so that I can get to work reliably. And we think the end goal many times is that we're blessed. And I think what it comes from Genesis 12 too, God says, Hey, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make you famous. And as a result, you will be a blessing to others. Mm -hmm. And so really quick, bless me rather than bless them. Do you see this play out? Do you think, think I'm, I think Josh, the thing that catches me on that Genesis 12 too, it almost feels like after famous and comma, we put a line through that. Mm. You know, we, we see God, he's moving in our lives, but when it comes to the thought of mission, um, we, we've tended to lean more into this is, and, and I remember reading some articles just in recent history where we've developed a consumer attitude in our faith. <laughs> it's what we consume that's not, that's important and not what we do. Mm. So when I was looking at your bless me rather than bless them, I think there's a lot of truth to how that has crippled the reality of mission. You know, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in the life of Danforth. Um, on the theme of consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of every kind and and sort of saying to my people don't say poor me say why not me and 
show how God is using that trial to grow Christ in you. And that's a tr tricky um, movement away from consuming to serving. So I, I, I see a lot of truth in that bless me rather than bless them. Do you think it also might be along the lines of when we're talking about missions specifically, almost immediately, it seems that most Christians' minds go to the foreign mission field. You know, and how many people are actually called to go and do what a Jim Elliott did? Yeah, I mean, it's a great thing. But, you know, I, I like to look at the book of Acts and um, see where Paul and Barnabas. Um, hey, hey, Pete. This was Acts Pete. 16. I'm going to interrupt real quick. And you, you asked the question, I think more than go. I'll just say that I think that's the answer. How many of us are called to do what Jim Elliott did? I think more than actually do it. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, maybe it may be. But let me yeah. let me let me point this part yeah. out, um, because I think it's Acts chapter 14 or 16. It's in that general area um, where Paul and Barnabas were on the mission field. And it says that John, also known as Mark, left them at that point in time. And if you look back to when Paul and Barnabas were called to go to that mission, it didn't mention John Mark. So maybe John Mark went because he felt like, well, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Maybe I'm supposed to do it. And I think that there's sometimes a calling there. Now, to get back to your other part of your question, though, um, sometimes I think that we tend to not look at the neighborhood that we live in as a mission field. We sometimes will just look at it and, and say the only way to uh, be a missionary is to go far away. And, and if I'm going to be going far away, Lord, this is kind of like what you said about the, the bless me. Well, I'll do it if. I, I can't remember the name of the song, but I, there were some lines in it. I remember from about 20 or 30 years ago, you know, I'll be please happy. Please don't to send me to Africa. Me. Yeah, please don't send me. Yeah, but there's another one. There's another okay. one called, I'll be happy to go to the mission field if you're talking about Palm Springs. And I'll be happy to give my 10% if I pay off my house and things. And um, if you want me to be a good Samaritan and, and preach to every man, I'll be happy to love my neighbor if he's a 49ers fan, something like that. I think it was the words, some along those lines. I may get him a little bit wrong. This has been 20 or 30 years. But I think that sometimes when we think of missions, we have always thought about having to go to some far off place to do so and that's a very legitimate thing to do but i don't know that everybody is called to do that and if you're not called to do that um you know you might find yourself being um not as effective as if you were serving where god has planted you for instance don you've been at danforth reformed church for how many years now 27 27 and you know that's great and what you have done there you have been a missionary whether you realize it or not you have brought people to the lord there if you decided that hey i'm not really doing what i'm supposed to do because you know i haven't gone to paraguay or wherever it might be that wouldn't necessarily be what god has called you to do i believe that he's used you as an effective pastor for 27 years there in danforth well i i think to be honest, we had talked, you know, because it's rural America, it's not the city, it's not the suburbs, it's not the um, mecca of doing church work. 
but we got in about the 10th, 11th year. And, and here's how this fits, Josh, is, okay, here's my ministry career. I, I don't have a 300-person church. And you sort of get that, is this a bless me moment where I don't have the right numbers? And then all of a sudden, it was like my wife and I sat there going, no, it's not about us. It's about where God has placed us to bless them. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, my wife, you know, she taught 37, 38 years, bulk of it down here in Danforth area. And so it, it became a reality because somebody asked me a long time ago, why did we stay as long as we did? And I said, because we kept having people to show Jesus. We kept having people to feed. I mean, Iroquois County is very poor economically. We're a very poor county in Illinois. We're um, land rich and people poor. That's how they describe Iroquois County. So it was very much about blessing them and going out and making a difference where God had placed us. Um, one of the things that I want to sort of build on real quick while I have the mic, as it were, is Dr. DeCryder, who I grew up under, used to always say that you're not sitting in the pews to sit in the pews. You take what you learn of Jesus and bring it to the boardroom, bring it yeah. to the school boardroom, yeah. bring it to, you know, so that it was more of a bless them type of, of motif of his vision of he, he didn't worry whether you were Republican or Democrat because he had such a mixed church uh, politically. He knew that. We t I remember sitting in staff meetings and he talked about that. The most important thing is Jesus. He used to say that so many times and how to bring scripture to life. And if they're bringing scripture to life, then Jesus is first and not your political stand. And that's that bless them sort of motif wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, and, and I keep thinking, who, who would have thought that the prosperity gospel would backfire on us? Um, you know, I, I, I went to a church once, and, and I remember even watching this on TV. Uh, if anybody remembers Benny Hinn. Um, Benny Hinn? That wasn't the other. Benny Hinn was the pastor, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't the chef. Benny, <laughs> Benny, Benny Hill was the other one. Oh, don't Benny go Hinn. there. Benny <laughs> Hinn. And then there was I, a I remember watching him. I remember watching him as a kid. And if you send it now, I'm assuming you were not watching Benny Hill as you're no. saying. <laughs> <laughs> you and I said Benny Hanna. Hanna. That was the cook. Benny Hanna. That'd be where we ate when we were watching Benny Hinn. Okay, which one were you yeah. watching, Josh? <laughs> Benny Hinn. And he said, and 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 there's a whole mindset of this. If you give a dollar, you'll get ten dollars back. Right. So mm -hmm. the 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 investment. Then I'm going to make a sacrifice so that the end goal is that I get more so that I'm happier than I am. And, and that's the whole thing. If you have enough faith, you'll get whatever you want. And that's never been the goal. God's goal is always so that more people know the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the salvation. And he, as a matter of fact, he could come back right now, but he's putting that off, the Bible says, because he wants as many people to be saved as possible. One of the ways he's going to accomplish that is as the church gets on fire and begins to share, uh, you know, our faith with others. But I think I got to be honest, I, I think we're way too timid about our faith lately, at least more so than we used to be. And I know there are so many contributing factors to this. And I also know that it doesn't help that the church just doesn't seem, you know, we've got so many churches, some of them that are closing, some that are, are not doing well. We're looking at other churches thinking, why can't we have that and everything when we need to. And I think the success we're going to see is when we get back on mission and say, you know what, you're not doing anything in my life so that I can be happy. It, that, that's a byproduct. I think God wants us to be happy, 
I, and you're, but, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is you're equipping me to live out a mission that brings others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, or that feeds the hungry, or that, uh, you know, um, frees the oppressed, or something like that. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm blessing, I'm being blessed so that I can be a blessing. And so I think just first, that's, that's one of the deceptions that we bought into that I think prevents us from sharing our faith. Bless me rather than bless them, seeing that, that mindset. So the okay. second one I want to talk about is simply this. And I think this can be just as damaging. I think we fall into it all the time. We talked about it in another podcast. We're talking about the Tower of Babel. And I call this the Tower of Babel mentality. But it's we can rather or, or I can rather than he can. So you get the idea, right? We can't as a church because our budget doesn't allow for it. We can't because I'm scared to talk to that person. We can't because I, I, I remember who was it, Moses, that, that objected to God. Literally, the God of all of creation says, hey, Moses, I want you to go talk to your brother. <laughs> I mean, there's probably not a lot of easier. I know he's a king now and all this stuff. I want you to go talk to your brother. Hey, God, I can't speak very well. And, and I almost wish that God would have had a little Job moment with him. Where were you when I, you know, and, and essentially said, hey, hey, Moses, where were you when I put your tongue in your throat, man? <laughs> you know, I, I got this, but, but we're so limited. And I think in the church, we're limited by this. Many churches are not doing as well as they used to be. Many churches have seen a lot of people either not buy into faith or, or be animus towards faith and everything. And so we just, we just see that we're not like we used to be. And so we don't try like we used to, or we don't try at all. And we're bought into this. We, we can't do this rather than he can do this. Um, and and it, we talk about really quick, the Tower of Babel. They said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So there's this mindset that they had at the Tower of Babel that it's all based on what we can do, how powerful we are, how knowledgeable we are, how, and it's all, it, we're going to get as far as we can go. What is it? God blesses those who help themselves, right? That's one of the greatest verses in the Bible, right? One of the greatest <laughs> verses not in the Bible. That, there you go. Yeah. And, uh, and it's that mindset. But I, I think just like in the Tower of Babel, this makes our mission harder. If, if we decide, hey, I'm gonna, I want to be a strong church, as strong as I can make it, it's going to make our mission harder. But if we say, you know yeah. what, nothing's going to stay in our way because our God's bigger than whatever obstacle we face. Um, Romans 7:18 puts it like this to let us know how capable we are. And I know nothing good lives in me. That is my, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. So this is the kind of guy that's saying, hey, I'm good enough to get it done, right? And in Philippians, he goes along and says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah. So what do you guys say? We can versus he can, or, or we can't versus I need to try to trust that God can. Well, I think that that's the key as well, Josh. Um, one of the things that, that so often happens is we let the church, and when I'm saying the church, I'm talking about individual congregations, especially become institutionalized. You know, we, we get to the point where I, I remember one of my Bible college professors, <clears throat> Um, said, he said it this way, and I, I always liked it. He said, God has called us to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. Hmm. And I like that, but I also kind of amended it. I said, God has called us to be fishers of men, not just 
keepers of the aquarium. Because the truth is, it's both and. You know, we need to minister to those who are in the church as well. But if we get to the mindset where it's all about the church, I mean, I remember being in a church meeting one time. This was before I was called to pastor. Um, somebody in the congregation, and this is one of the um, what we would have called dear saints of the church at the time, made a comment along the lines of how how they really did not like it that when suddenly the church is developing a new person in ministry, you know, they're getting called into ministry or whatever, and then they go and they leave this congregation and they go somewhere else. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, but the idea was, you know, we, we invested in these people and now they're going somewhere else. Well, isn't that what it's about? I don't know. I was sort of looking at the we can versus he can type of motif. And I I feel that there there's such, it sort of goes back to the bless me, bless them a little bit because, you know, our when we say we can, it's like building that tower of Babel saying, look at us, look at us, look at us. Don't look at Jesus. You know, where when Pete's talking about the institution of the church, Sometimes you sort of sit back going, okay, is the denomination more important than Jesus? And, and I've, I've found in my old age, no, it's supposed to be Jesus first. It just happens we communicate Jesus through the denomination. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking over all that we're talking about here, you know, in the church I've served 27 years, that we've done a very slow paradigm shift from this is a castle. We got to keep her together. We got to protect her. We got to keep her together. How it, did they do it before denominations? You know, I, I guess we had the Catholic church then, right? <laughs> I mean, isn't it good that we came along and divided everything up and I know, made, made you know? it workable? Oh, amen, brother. Uh, and and I, I don't know, and, you know, when, when I think about missions in the church, the one thing that I'm hoping is my living legacy of Danforth is along the way, we became an island of misfit toys. We became that church of grace that shows grace wherever we are, and the people have felt that call to look for people who are hurting, to, you know, it, it became missional, and it only happened through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And doesn't that go back a little bit to the first point as well, um, at least what I was saying about it, is that missions does not always have to be across the world. It could be across the street. Oh, amen. I used to walk the alleys of Mount Greenwood Reformed Church in Chicago. My de the deacons would chew me out because that's where all the you know robbing and everything happened. But I'm like, dude, where do I meet people? I meet people in the alleys. They're taking garbage out. They need somebody to talk to. I don't know how many people I connected into walking the streets of South side of Chicago that way, mm -hmm. you know, and Dan and Mount Greenwood started to get a little bit of that feel because the youth group was over probably 60% community and they had never had that before Yeah, because they, on, they began to understand they were a mission. Mm -hmm. well, let me ask you this. Could you have done that type of thing walking the alleys of Mount Greenwood on your own without Jesus? What do you mean, Pete? 
In other words, didn't you need Jesus to be able to do that? The difference between you can and he can. You weren't, weren't you relying on his power and his presence to be able to do that? Oh, amen. I mean, why was I doing it? Because the Holy Spirit was calling me to do it. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit well, was putting me there. And, and how many of us, too, I, I, I've been praying for something all summer. It's made me extremely anxious. I've finally gotten to the point where, you know, God, I'm just going to trust you with it. And I'm going to be okay. And then God answers the prayer that I had in a way that I never thought possible in a way that, that not only just answered my concern about it, but, but so much better than my concern. And I realized I wasted all this anxiety all through the summer and, and, um, or I had spent and, and developed all this anxiety through the summer when God was able to do far more than I could imagine. And I, I, I'm thinking at this time, you know, why would I want my best when I can have so much more than that? Um, and, and honestly, man, what pastor hadn't wanted to quit on a Monday morning? <laughs> I mean, if, man. Yeah, I was always told, never resign on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> always on a, on a Sunday, right after service. <laughs> i've lived through one of those no we're not doing that one again <laughs> no i i don't know i mean man i i've seen i i think i think sometimes i feel pretty proud of myself but on my best day i've never done anything like god's done just in the last couple of weeks in my family mm -hmm. um and and that's just scratching the surface of what he can do um i remember the missionary that's definitely the he can isn't it what's that that's definitely the he can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember a missionary who spent, he was from the UK and or England, and he spent years in Africa and didn't lead a single person uh, to God. I mean, he had worked and worked and worked and not a single person to God gets frustrated. He, he leaves mission fee, or mission be, leaves being a missionary. Forget the guy's name, but this is a fairly famous story. Um, he, he, he goes back to England, just gives it all up. When he left, he left a Bible in a hut that he was allowed to stay in. Somebody picked up, somebody in the tribe that he was ministering and picked up the Bible, began to read it. And one thing led to another and the entire tribe and then tribes around it were led to Jesus like crazy. <laughs> I like to use that. I don't even know what to say to that. But yeah, I like to use the illustration, Josh, along those lines that, you know, if, if somebody asks you to cut down a tree with an ax and, you know, depending on how big the tree is, it's not necessarily going to take three chops at that tree to, to get it to fall over. You know, you might need 683 chops at that tree. Well, you might not know if, as that pastor in England, you were chop number 312 or whatever. But, you yeah. know, that, that, that Bible may have been chop number 682, and then finding it was chop 683, and that's what made yeah, the whole and, thing happen. And I, and I see that, but... What a contrast of this guy working so many years to get this done. And then God comes through mm -hmm. and, and does what he does and calls, causes the entire, and the guy struggled because, you know, I gave my life to this and, 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 and nothing happened. Or he could have said, I, I, I got to know these people, love these people. And God did what he did anyway. Um, but I just would so much rather rely on God's power than my own because I found mine. I found the limits of mine. Mm -hmm. I, I still have yet to find the limits of God's. Right. Um, and so, yeah. all right, last one. Uh, three things that keep us from sharing our faith. Three things that keep us from going personally into missions or encouraging missions or 
pushing our own children and grandchildren to missions. The last one is preservation of self rather than denial of self. And this is a really tough one. Matthew 16, 24 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. And I, I love that wording uh, the New Living uses. You must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Isn't that when, when we come to Jesus, when we become a saved person, we, we begin our new existence in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven where Christ is ruling and essentially we're saying, I'm no longer the king in my life. I'm no longer calling the shots. You are calling the shots. And I got to be honest, I think, especially in America, but I just think in, in humanity, we struggle with ceding control of our lives, our safety, our family, our income, our future. We struggle with saying, okay, God, it's yours. Mm -hmm. We do struggle with that. And, and, you know, I like the word way. Jesus said he is the way, you know, we are born, we are born into this world going our own way. The word repent means to turn around, to change one's mind. We need to turn around, go God's way through Jesus instead of our way. That's yeah. what it means. And it means to follow. It means to do what he says. That means to give him control. He is the one in charge. He's the boss, not me. Mm. I think I was looking over that preservation of self rather than denial of self. I feel like putting in parentheses um, comfort versus uncomfort. Mm. You know, because, you know, if, if anything, give me a minute. Um, I, I just flashed a denial of self moment because I, I remember it like it was yesterday I had a hold of stillborn that was born full term. Mm. And it was like, Lord, you're putting me in an extremely uncomfortable position. I felt the Holy Spirit just saying, you need to hold the stillborn. And this teenage mother who's unwed needs to see that grace. Mm. Needs to see that love. The preservation of self says, oh, whoa you know, this is a stillborn, what, Lord, no, you know, and the denial of self said, this is your time, Lord. Mm -hmm. This is your time. And, and I think in missions, we don't allow enough uncomfortableness. You know, in, in a way, I, I like, and, and maybe this is why I've lasted this long at Danforth, I love making my saints uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's my job. I want to rock and roll them. You know, we added stage lights to the sanctuary, which means we invaded the Holy of Holy and actually changed something. You know, this building's been in existence like 60 years or so. And when we added the stage lights, yeah, I got chewed out a little bit. I got, how dare you put that up there? I got, and then all of a sudden we're starting to get hit with, boy, I'm glad you have this digital ministry going boy, I'm glad. And it went from being uncomfortable and preservation of self to denial of self. We're doing something great. And I think we forget in missions, God does something great. We just need to get out of the way. And that's hard to get out of the way. Hmm. Does that kind of line up with what you were getting at, Josh? 
Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I think it, it, I think sometimes it's small things too. Um, when and, and who of us haven't been in a situation where we're eating lunch with somebody, we're working with somebody, we come across somebody at the, the grocery store or something like that, and God is prompting us. This person could use a, a word. Um, you may want to offer to pray for this person. You may want to see if you can share them a little bit of your story with them. And, and, and which of us hasn't just said, you know what, that would make me a little too uncomfortable mm-hmm. or that um, that may make him look at me wrongly or there's a risk involved. And, and um, I, I think I, I got to be honest, I, I think a lot of times we, and maybe it may be the disservice is done because I'm talking about world missions. And I started out by talking about these heroic missionaries that we need to model and everything. But I think most of our struggle is at the supermarket. Um, and I think most of our struggle is when we're walking the dog in the neighborhood and we come across somebody that we know and God is prompting us and God is saying, you know what? I love them so much and you should invite them to church. And we say, God, that's great, but you're probably the spaghetti I ate last night um, or, or something else. You know, you're, th- this must be my subconscious, you know, because I feel bad about something instead of saying, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk a little bit here. Well, and um, here, here's be the weird neighbor. Right. Well, here's how it's living out in the digital ministry, because we are on Facebook. I've been challenging people to share our worship service on their timeline. Yeah. And I've only had two. Yeah. Out of 50. Yeah. You know, it, that self-preservation is is huge. You know, and because that's really putting yourself out there. Everybody will know I go to church or even worse than that, I'm some fanatical Christian that doesn't mind sharing it with somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Radical. But that's a mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think every day that there's going to be something that God's prompting you to do that we just have a small response, a small, you know, um, whether we go for it or whether we come up with the excuse to choose our comfort or our, our lack of risk or whatever. And um, so I think as pastors, though, I think one of the things we need to do is emulate these heroes and say, hey, Jim Elliott gave his whole life. And maybe we're thinking, well, I'm not going to do that necessarily, but I could probably, <laughs> I could probably tell my neighbor that Jesus loves them and they should come to church with me Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, I could probably tell my son instead of uh, telling him he's a bozo and, you know, um, making fun of the football team he likes. I'll do that too, but tell him I'm praying for him, you know, um, that little risk. And I think that's, I think that's where we fail most of the time is we don't take those little risks because, um, of these conflicts that we have. So I, I think reminds me of being faithful with the little bit when yeah. Jesus was talking about the talents. Yeah. You've been faithful with a little bit here. Now I'm going to give you more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and you know, maybe that's maybe that's the key. Maybe, maybe Jim Elliott wasn't originally called to go to South America the first time that God called him to do something. Well, Pete, and, and to be honest, the most successful people I know at personal evangelism are ones that do it all the time. And if you want to talk about the talents, man, I took a risk. Maybe they didn't, 
but maybe the next two or three times I did it, one of those guys said, you know what? I want to know a little more about Jesus. You get a little more excited about it. You start sharing it more often. Before you know it, you're blessed with so many opportunities to share faith. And we look at those people, man, I wish I could be like that. And I almost wonder if it started with that, that but very I, first one. Don't you think too, that the more you do something, the more you become familiar enough with it. Absolutely. Just like those of us who are preachers, you know, we, the first time we preached, we were probably shaking in our boots. Now it's just kind of like second nature. I mean, I, I hope that we yeah. let the Holy Spirit lead us and, and that we're, we're giving, letting the Holy Spirit lead and prompt us and guide us. But it's not like we're, we're shaking in our boots every time we do it. But that comes from having practiced it. When I say practiced, I mean doing it. To be yeah. honest, Pete, I still can't eat before I preach after 30 years. I, <laughs> I, um, I'm shy. I'm tremendously shy. You know, Pete, you knew that watching me at Lions. I mean, I'm not uh, an outgoing personality. So for me to preach, I'll lose five pounds every time I preach because I'm just soaking wet from sweating. My t-shirt is soaked because um, I'm not totally comfortable being in front of people. Mm -hmm. So well, in terms of that self-preservation, I have to throw that away every time I preach. I mean, I get so fatigued from it. Um, sure. That was my first thought. My second thought was um, I got blessed when I came to Danforth because there were people presenting Christ to a couple. Um, she was blind, fighting diabetes really bad, and the husband said, I'd never come to church at all. And these people kept sharing, Hey, you need to know Jesus. You need to come to this church. Um, and he said, I'd never, ever come to church. Never. Well, through a series of events, I ended up meeting them because we were playing softball together and they decided to invite him to play softball from all those people presenting Christ to him for over five years the Lord placed me in the right place, right time. And within two months of me being at Danforth, I baptized him. Praise the Lord. And he's in heaven now. He died at 49. She died at 34. Wow. And I was blessed because people were willing to say, I needed to deny myself and present Christ to make a difference for eternity. You know, and I think, Josh, why I love this topic is, is because the struggle with the Great Commission, we need to understand this is not about earth. This is about heaven and eternity. Where do you want your loved ones to spend eternity? When my brother died, he wanted no service at all. He wanted no nothing. And his stepchildren are not spiritual at all. And he said, Don, I want to die showing Christ. Well, I ended up doing a celebration of life for him and I, I wasn't going to preach, but at the end I started preaching about Jesus and what made Dave, Dave. And you could see by the emails I got back from his friends that even though he wasn't doing it directly, he was being a mission for Christ. And, and I think we need to get out of the way and we need to tell our people and I've been doing this for almost 27 years. If the building got knocked down, it would probably be the best blessing ever. Because that means we have to do missions. 
we have pastor, you know, yeah. the pastor at our church often say church we're about to leave the building go out and be the church yeah yeah well josh what do you think have we uh covered everything no, we never, we didn't cover everything, but we did all right, I think. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I know we, we, I got a C minus then from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got a lot of things covered here, but the bottom yeah. line is we want to make sure that it's not bless me, but bless them. Yeah. It's not that we can, it's that he can, and it's not preservation of self, it's denial of self. That kind of sums it up as we talk about the struggle with the Great Commission. So with that, I think it's time that we kind of wrap things up for this episode. So Pastor Mac, D. Mac, Don McDonald, and especially Josh Kugel, pastor down there in Mississippi, who kind of led our topic today and who brought it up. I thank you very much, both of you yep. guys. And I want to thank those of you who listened for listening to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.